We hope everyone had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. We are back with the We Don't Know Sports podcast. We're going to talk all things Saturday night live cast, maybe a little bit of NBA Finals preview, and then what's your favorite baseball movie? This is the We Don't Know Sports podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the We Don't Know Sports podcast. This is Chad the Mark with... Turbo Tommy and Mr. Brown and Canadian Biggie and gentlemen, I have missed you guys immensely. We've uh, wound down our children's school year. Summer's officially here. We had Memorial Day and you know what? We all survived the weekend. So how was your holiday? You guys know I'm a slave to the system and uh, I sold my soul to the company stores. So what did you guys getting uh, a buzz and a sunburn? You were slinging mattresses. That's right. Cocaine mattresses, baby. Baby. (laughs) I had a great weekend. Went down to my grandpa's grave, World War II veteran, part recipient, uh, Silver Star, put a flag on there, cleaned it up. Lots of people down there on Memorial Day honoring the fallen. It was a very nice day. Beautiful weather. Couldn't ask for a better day. What about you, Mr. Brown? I kind of relaxed. I had a I had work going on over the weekend, but I was dealing with it remotely. And uh, other than that, we got a lot of work done around the house and cooked up some mad barbecues in the smoker for about 10 hours on Sunday for nice, Monday. So nice. It was nice. What, what, what was on the smoker? Uh, just three roasts. Okay. And we had barbecues. We had mac and cheese, pasta salad, you name it. It was very tasty. How'd that turn out? Corn on the cob. Oh, right. It was all good. Tommy, were you invited? No, I didn't get that invite. You know why you weren't invited, Tommy? Why is that? you've been out on your boat and you haven't invited him yet. Oh, I know. Sure. I, I did spend the weekend on the boat. We spent a few hours on the boat, uh, adult beverages and some, some dogs on the grill and we did spend some time on the boat. We're still waiting to do a live video on your boat, Tommy. That's all it I'm saying. Happen. It's going to happen. We're going to do it on the boat. I, I keep hearing gonna, but, you know. what? It, you, will, it will happen. Will happen. Tell him. We'll be talking about it in October. I swear, Man. we're still going to do it. Tommy will be in a nursing home <laughs> and we'll be talking about it. Maybe Tommy will leave us his boat. No, oh, you don't want that thing. You don't want it. We as just want to have floats. fun. Uh, anyway, you know, we, we – Kind of um, have a couple things I just want to hit on real quick. And we got some fun things we're going to talk about. We're going to jump into a wonderful thing that Mr. Brown's baseball group was discussing. We got some baseball movie activity. And then, Tommy, you put up a post about Saturday Night Night Live, SNL cast members, and that thing kind of caught fire. So, you know, you're going to help us span the generation conversation on that here in a second. But, you know, I got to go with my wrestling talk real quick first. I did stay up and watch AEW's pay-per-view double or nothing. It's like five hours long, though, man. This stuff is just... That's like their WrestleMania. Like when, well, I think it is their biggest show. And by the time I turned it on and watched it, I'd already missed like five matches. And I was just like, well, it's probably almost over. That was like 10 o'clock. No, it went for another two and a half hours. So what was the highlight of the show? I was watching uh, Heat Celtics game seven. I didn't catch any of it. So, I mean, again, I watched uh, most of that game seven first. But then as we uh, switched back and forth, it was honestly, they had a match where it was like eight guys fighting throughout the stadium a bunch of tables and ladders and barbed wire and blood. And, you know, when everybody wears white T-shirts to the match, you know why they're doing that, because yeah. they're about to bleed. And uh, there was a can of gas involved, and, you know, it made everybody very, very nervous. Where was this held at? I mean, last year they had it. It was down in Jacksonville. They had Urban Meyer. Oh, this one was in Viva Las Vegas. Vegas. 
You could have had anybody show up. It was uh, the T T Mobile uh, Arena, uh, but it was uh, it was a, it was a fun show. You know, if uh, you want something a little different, a little more adult, it was it was solid. But uh, see, I, I appreciate. I didn't even watch it, but I appreciate you telling me about the gas can. I mean, we need to get back to that type of wrestling because <laughs> I mean, where's the where's the Cobra in the ring? We need that type of shit. Bring it back. I mean, Randy Savage, man, that that might have helped him have a, a heart attack at an early age because how scared he was of that damn Cobra Jake the Snake brought out. But uh, I will say, CM Punk is your uh, AEW Heavyweight Champion now. Nice. You kind of knew that might be where he was headed when he decided to come back because there's one thing that he is good at. It's at selling himself, and you know fake tough man so are you guys excited though for the nba finals at all i mean this is a unique matchup i'm pretty pumped i picked the warriors to win it when the playoffs started so the the, the fact that they've made it this far i feel good about and i feel like the celtics are the best matchup for them they play great defense me and mr brown had this conversation the other night where typically with steph and clay and wiggins you have such matchup issues but the celtics perimeter defense they really fit the fit the bill for what they're going to need to do. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. You're looking like you got Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Smart's going to D up on Curry. You're going to put Tatum on Clay. Uh, you'll probably put Jalen Brown on Wiggins. They can swap back and forth on Clay to stay fresh. But the Celtics match up very well on the Warriors and their spacing. I'm not saying the Warriors won't win the series, but it's going to be unique because the Warriors with their shooting and their spacing, like mindset and then the Celtics' toughness, it's going to be fun to watch. So predictions for it? I mean, I, I, I'm going to say Warriors in six. I got Warriors in six also. I'm going to say Warriors in seven. I, and I'm not like going to be like, really? What about you, Mr. Uh, Turpo Tommy? I'm going the opposite. I'm saying Boston takes it in seven. I hope you're right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think their defense, their toughness, is, it's, they're, going to, they're going to win this thing out in seven games. Because the Warriors have been rolling. You know that. But yeah. And the Warriors, the Warriors have been there before, and Boston has not. So I love I Boston's new coach. He's awesome. He brings toughness. Not that they need any extra, but he's bringing it. But I will like if the Warriors win the fact that at the end of the day, Curry's going to have more chips than LeBron. It's going to be <laughs> great. He'll have just as many in less time. <laughs> All right, so one of the things that we have been able to highlight is this ever-growing, ever-popular America's pastime for the love of baseball. Mr. Brown, you just want to give a quick pub for that? Like, What exactly is that for our listeners that may not know about this, this Facebook group? I mean, we all started our own groups. You know, we, we wanted to cover hockey, basketball, baseball, and football um, to tie to our page um, in more detail for things that might be not uh, be page worthy, and we dive into the sports in a, more know, of a niche, more, right? more detail. Yeah. Um, but where we've interviewed some baseball players because we've had better luck with baseball players interviewing and that type of thing, um, it's grown really quickly, and we're up to 290 players are in the group now, and the group's approaching 31,000. So I've listed them all as group experts. They, they interact with the fans. Um, they're willing to do interviews. They want to do live videos. I'm partnering up with some of them to do different things that's going to be coming out here soon. Um, the CEO of Dugout Mugs joined the group yesterday, and he's offered to give 30% off for anybody in the group just for that group, um, which is kind of crazy because he's like, you know what, I, I get 20%, 20% commission on everything that's sold in the group just to me, which is kind of crazy. So the, the, big, the big thing, too, is these guys have been participating in autograph giveaways, things like that. So 
almost every week you're giving something away to people that are taking the time to tune in. Yeah, we typically give away three photos, either five by sevens or eight by tens, signed by group members. And then we give away a couple of baseball cards for anyone who can answer a question live on the live video feed. And then that way it encourages people to watch the live video, which has actually got it up, you know, higher numbers. It's almost doubled the uh, viewers every week. Yep. And, and so the, the big thing about the group, it's all about the interaction. We want the fans to interact. And, you know, there's different things that pop up from time to time. But there was a, a question that this is kind of an age-old debate. A lot of people have their own take on it. And, you know, we love sports movies. Like, there are some phenomenal sports movies, but baseball kind of has they, – they have the stranglehold on the sport movie market, right? Like, I, I love some good football movies, and I love some good basketball movies, but they're just not baseball movies. Baseball appeals to the everyman. Because when you look at baseball, you got Pablo Sandoval played first, but third base. <laughs> He's so fat when he'd spit his chew out and land on his stomach. So when you watch a baseball movie, Roy Hobbs hitting a ball, knocking the lights – like – you feel it more personally than you do a football or basketball movie. I mean, anybody can be a part of it. you got Altuve and Aaron Judge. Both can be MVPs, and one of them's a midget, and one of them's freaking ogre. So there you go. Well, yeah. that's just – that's the actual game. But, like, when we go to Hollywood, though, like Hollywood has managed not to screw up baseball royally, and they've actually done a good job with making it entertaining. So the question was, what did you put out there for everyone to kind of chime in on? Well, what got it started was one guy had this hot take. He got into the group trying to get, I think, likes or just – any kind of publicity, just a reaction. publicity. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, he he basically just commented and said, "The Natural is the worst baseball movie ever made." <laughs> Tell me, or change my mind, right? So then it got like 400 comments, people just shitting all over the guy. And me personally, it's not my favorite, but it's not the worst. It's in the middle for me, right. but it's not it's not the worst. It didn't deserve the undue criticism right. for somebody just to come out on the soapbox and, and just piss on it. Now, if you'd have said, like, Trouble with the Curve or Angels in the Outfield, then, yeah, no one would probably say anything, but not, Wait, not the natural. Trouble with the Curve, is that the Clint Eastwood one? Yeah. With uh, Hillary, is that Hillary Swank? No. Yes. Is it? Yeah, it might be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, Brave it was, Scout, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. All yeah. right. So anyway, we had to write the uh, injustice of travesty here. Of let's just shit all over certain movies. No, let's let's get it right, and let's let the masses kind of chime in. And before we even get to it, so I, I just want to because I don't think Biggie was paying attention when we were talking beforehand. So what are the top, you know, three, four, five movies that you really like when it comes to uh, to baseball movies, Biggie? Uh, Field of Dreams, The Sandlot. Uh, I always loved, uh, oh my goodness gracious, Tom Hanks. Uh, a League of Their Own. A League of Their Own. And, uh, uh, oh goodness. Uh, Biggie's completely just have diarrhea on the brain. I think he's got a heat stroke. What just happened? <laughs> Susan Sarandon. I thought that was a pretty easy question. I got so much question. sun today. I had him in my Holy mind crap. until I started talking. All right. All right, here's my top five. <laughs> the Burham, Mr. The Burham, the Durham Bulls. Yeah. The Burham Dolls. Man. Durham <laughs> People. All right. So you're my in the sun, hydrate. Save us. My top five in order. I love Major League because it was like growing up playing baseball. I love the one-liners. I, I feel like uh, – what's his name? The manager? Lou Brown? Yeah, he reminded me of my grandpa, and I, I just love that figure. Well, I don't know. I got to see about a set of white walls. Yeah, and the characters in that movie were amazing. Everyone still quotes the one-liners to this day, which you had the pleasure of doing, what, about a month ago? I'll add another yes. game because people were arguing about Major League, which right, they clearly right, didn't right. know their, you know, 
ass from a hole right. in the ground. So I'm going to go Major League. I'm going to go. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Major League, I'm with you. Right. That's, that's number I'm one. I'm going to go Sandlot two for me. What is it? Sandlot. Okay. I'm going to go three. I will go with a league of their own. See, that's high. That's high. But, you know, it's. Four Bull Durham. Like Bull Durham. And I'm also. This one's tough for me. It's not like the. the I'm going to go 42 for me. I, I, that's, that's why we can make lists. You can, yeah. you can have them as wrong as you want them to be. Uh, the, how's Field of Dreams not in there? Uh, it's close. Uh, I, I don't think it's as good as everybody makes it out to be. I mean, when you make a movie and Shoeless Joe don't even bat from the right side, I have a, I have a hard time watching it. Well, I was not 100% accurate when I talked about Hollywood not screwing baseball. Well, I mean, he's batting right hand and he's clearly left hand and that just rubs me. How do you not have him bat the right way? And you wonder why I criticize Kevin Costner sometimes. And Ray, Ray just passed away. God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, great in the movie, but you need to learn to bat left-handed, Ray. But So the I, I still love Field of Dreams. It's up there. Sandlot's up there. I, I put Moneyball higher, and I don't know if it's recency bias of it or because it kind of bridges today's game and it makes me appreciate some of the things that go into it. So I have Moneyball a lot higher. So I love the movie. I was, I was going to chime in on that because – so I agree with what Jeff Bagwell just came out and said that Moneyball is a farce because no one – like so they won all these games in a row. They, right. they, they targeted Dave Justice, Scott Hattieberg, and who was the other player? It, it was very good editing because we don't have to talk about, you know. Or, or the, like Little Giambi. But the thing right. was is that. Who's their pitching staff? Yeah, you're going to have the big three. You got Malder, Zito, and Hudson. You know, and they, yes, they lost Damon and they lost Giambi. But let's say they would have kept them. With that rotation, they were probably World Series favorites. So don't sit there and act like this team's complete trash. Didn't yeah. they still have Jermaine Dye? And Miguel Tejada. Tejada is MVP, So, like, basically. don't sit here and act like it's just crunching these numbers. When you got a rotation that's going to shut you down three out of five days, uh, you're going to be all right. Yeah, so, and, you know, we romanticize certain things in the movies. But I think the point of Moneyball was – it showed that there was a different way to look at the game. And, of course, we've gone full-blown overboard Oh, it now. changed the game. It changed the game. So, I mean, it, it's – I think for that it has a special place for me. I don't know. We're good, bad, or indifferent. Anytime it's on, I watch it. So, I can't say – I love the movie. I do. And oh. I think I think Brad Pitt did an amazing job in that so, movie. So did Jonah so what, Hill. What you're saying right there, it's just like with Field of Dreams. He's not batting from the right side when you have Moneyball because it's a movie. They leave out facts about that specific team. Though there's a reason they won 20 games other than the fact they – Scott Hatterberg learned how to play first base. Yeah, it's extremely hard. Yeah. I'm sure there's some historical inaccuracies in a league of their own, so I'm just too lazy to look them up. Well, most of the players didn't even exist. It was, <laughs> it was false. I mean, it was based a little bit on, on the women's league, not like completely. I just can't get that excited about any movie with Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna in it. Tom Hanks is just that good. <laughs> Tom Hanks is no crying in baseball. What about when he's talking about Roger Hornsby's was his manager? You don't remember that? Uh, fill us in. And he was like, well, this was, there's no crying in baseball. And he's like, Roger Hornsby's my manager. My parents drove down from Michigan. And he said, I can't remember how it goes. He says, he called me a, what did he say? A walking pile of pig shit or something. And, <laughs> and, but it was crazy because he's talking about Roger Hornsby. And she's crying, sir. But I mean, I, don't, I think Tom Hanks made the movie. He's pissing in the shower and they're timing it. And he stops and then kicks back up midstream for like two more minutes. It's great. I love the movie. All right, so let me, uh, real quick, Tommy, what about you? What's your favorite? Just give me your favorite baseball movie. Field of Dreams. 
Field of, it, hands down. We were talking, I was talking with Biggie earlier, Field of Dreams. And rest in peace, Ray Leota. Or, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, right. And I ended up watching it twice this week because I just, I felt. It's just so good. I, yeah, I love it. I mean, I can watch it every day. It's just tops to me. So uh, the one movie I feel like nobody ever really shits on is The Sandlot. You can't. The original Sandlot is unshittable. It's it's bulletproof. You can't right? poop on it because any of the stuff that's like a little far fetched or whatever, it's because it's their kids and it's their yes. imagination, yes. right? Yes. Like it's, they 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 do it so well. But and then we all remember Wendy Peppercorn. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's go to the top five for the group. So the group of thirty one K. Here's their top five. They got Field of Dreams number one, Major League number two, the Sandlot number three. Bull Durham number four and the natural number five. I can't argue that. I, I feel yeah, like the masses could, did okay. I agree. They hit uh, every edge, age group in that top five. They did. I, I thought maybe it'd get dominated by the uh, the Gen X to the the boomers that take up Facebook, but that was, it was balanced. Right. Well, then six through eight, Moneyball forty. No, I'm sorry, uh, League of Their Own, Moneyball forty two for the love of the game and pride of the Yankees. That rounds out the top ten. Pride of the Yankees in the top ten. There you go. For the love of the game is a good movie. I've always enjoyed watching it, and but I'm a Costner fan too, so that's probably part of it. But so, some ones that uh, little want to give a shout out, Mister Baseball. It, it was a fun for what it was. I love Tom Selleck, and he always had a mustache that looked like oh, yeah. it belonged on the diamond. Yes, uh, Little Big League. It's kind of weird for me because like now, I mean, like even when I was younger, I don't little, little Big League. Where he's the manager. Yeah, that Henry Rowengarter is yeah. rookie of yeah. the year. But okay. the, I was more excited sometimes as a kid, like to be a manager of a big league club than even play. So that was like a dream of mine watching that movie at that age. Uh, for those of you listening, I've never heard of Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars, so maybe we're going to have to research that and watch that one. That one Sounds made up. That was, <laughs> that was submitted by a former minor league player of several years, uh, A.J. Pluta. So uh, Rookie of the Year, you touched on Henry Rowengard, Naruto Baker, whatever his name was. The Babe, John Goodman. Anybody like that? It was all right. I liked it when it I saw right. it. I mean, that's not one I'm going to stop and watch every time it's on, but I enjoyed it. And that's really the, any um, – somebody finally added Angels in the Outfield for one vote. Uh, <laughs> so we were talking about Angels uh, in the Outfield might be the worst one ever. Uh, it's just one of those things in our group here. We'll go back and forth on Kevin Costner and our discussions about actors and range. But for baseball movies in a group of 30,000 people, they voted him in the top 10 on two different movies. It's just kind of crazy how a person can have a certain niche that fits them. Hey, make him a golf or a baseball movie and he's all about it. Just and don't make go. it. A po- just don't make it a post-apocalyptic water movie and he'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, personally, I like Bull Durham better than uh, Field of Dreams. Dreams. I'm not surprised that you would say that. Uh, but Bull Durham's a, a, a damn solid movie. Yes. Yeah. It, so it, there's so much going on there. It's not just about baseball. You're right. You're right. And that's what makes movies poetry. great. It, it, ooh, I like that. <laughs> How can you not be romantic about baseball? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, guys, make sure you check out the uh, group that Mr. Brown's got running over there, America's Pastime for the Love of Baseball. Not only do we get to dissect wonderful movie conversations, but you're doing all-decade teams and all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, you got 30,000 people chiming in with about 300 Major League Baseball players. So it gets pretty interesting well, over there. Let, let me give a shout-out to the 60s all-decade team just because we just finished today. So this is the all-decade team for the 1960s. Bob Gibson's the pitcher. Narrowly beat out Sandy Koufax. Bill Freehan's the catcher for the Tigers. 
Harmon Killebrew barely beat out Willie McCovey at first base, mm. which is cool because two of Killebrew's kids are in the group. Uh, Joe Morgan was a terrible selection. This is Joe Morgan of the Astros. Yeah, this is before the Big Red Machine. Yeah, so he actually, it was between him and Pete Rose because Pete Rose's primary position was second before Joe Morgan arrived. Right. It should have been Pete Rose. But Joe Morgan, so they Joe Morgan won just because it's Joe Morgan, yeah, not right. because of the now, era. If he wins in the seventies, no problem, right? But I, I specifically put his picture in here in that crappy in Astros ass, Astros jersey. <laughs> uh, Larissa Aparicio, Astros, uh, shortstop, Brooks Robinson, sixteen Gold Gloves, that's, third. that's a lock. And listen to this outfield: Aaron Mays and Clemente. Ah, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> nobody can top. I don't know if anybody can beat that any decade. There's no decade that could top that. You go to the '90s and you put Bonds, Griffey, and who else? Yeah. Well, here's what's even crazier. So you're leaving out that decade, Mickey Mantle. You're leaving out uh, who's the other one? There was somebody else that was even just as big, Mickey Mantle and Frank Robinson. Yeah, Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson won an MVP in both leagues, over 500 home runs. Yeah, he can ride the pine. Yeah. That's how good this decade was. So, uh, in closing, let's say we just want to go back to the 60s and watch uh, baseball. Is that fair? Just think about it. Mickey oh, well, Mantle all not all right, making all well, decades. You guys team. help me get back there. Can we do like a little Wayne's World flashback here real quick? <laughs> <laughs> All right, one of the things that caught fire on social media for us was, Tommy, you put out a post of some Saturday Night Night Live. I can't ever say Saturday Night Live. I just SNL. I just want to blur it together. Saturday Night Live. live. SNL. So it's been on for freaking decades. And 75. 75 was its first year. It, uh, it, it just set the markets on fire. It was something different. Um, Saturday nights, people coming home at midnight, back then in the 70s anyway. It, uh, and that original cast, to me, hands down is the best cast. You had Belushi, Aykroyd, uh, Gilda Radner, Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chase. I mean, it, it just – and now they're, they're icons of, of comedy. Everybody looks up to them. So, uh, changed my mind. I think that is the best cast. Just a quick question. Was Paul Schaefer in that original cast, too? Paul, no. He was on Saturday Night Live at some point because he has the distinction of dropping the first F-bomb on live TV. I don't, I don't know if he was on the original cast. And pa- Paul Schaefer's the one that ended up with David Letterman, right? Yes. I don't think he was on the original cast. All right, so, Biggie, what's your go-to cast here? Well, I said Bill Murray's part of the original cast, right? Yes. Yeah, he was on there. My go-to cast, I love the 90s. There's a lot of overlap there, but Farley, Spade, Sandler, Norm MacDonald was born to do the Weekend Update, Dana Carvey, Mark Myers. You know, a lot of people hated on Norm doing the Weekend Update, and and Lauren Michaels hated him doing it. Well, because he would go areas they didn't want him to go. Well, not everybody understands his delivery either. Yeah, his delivery is so just deliberate, (laughs) and he's so monotone on purpose, which makes it funny. Very dry, yes. He's so dry that you're – it's funny for the fact that he is so dry and monotone. It's, yeah. It, yep. That's part of him. I think it was because he was trying to cover, like, these crazy news stories and he wasn't even like, and the uh, elephant escaped the zoo today. And uh, He don't even, like, raise his voice. I think it's amazing. 
I personally love Norm. That's just me. And they replaced him with Colin Quinn, I believe. Yeah. Yep. That, that he tried that. too hard. Yeah. I mean, didn't work. Tina Fey was better than Colin. The only thing great about Colin Quinn is when Will Ferrell would pop up and he'd call him Norm still. Yeah. Because he was Harry Carey. Hey, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> Quick tidbit here if you love Norm MacDonald. He secretly recorded like a half hour or an hour of comedy stand up. Uh, while he was in his last six, eight months there, they just recently released it or are going to release it. So if you're a Norm fan, he gave us one last treat. Uh, I will definitely check that out. So, all right. Now, Mr. Brown, I, I know you're not as big of an SNL fan, but is there any certain cast members or certain skits that recurring maybe stick out to you that you kind of lean on? Uh, for me, I, I, I do like, obviously, the Sandler, Farley, Spade, and all those guys, but also growing up, I remember watching it with my mom when I was younger, uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Uh, we already had one Wayne's World reference tonight, so let's yeah, go I mean, back. I, I love the uh, the church lady. Well, isn't that special? You watched it with your mom? Yeah. Dude, we had to kind of hide out to watch Saturday Night Live when we were growing up. My mom, we grew up in a more progressive My mom time. was one of those progressive moms like 30 years ago. You know? Well, I, I get that. I, my mom would buy us beer and all, but I, we, we weren't allowed to watch Saturday Night Live. We mm. had to kind of hide off the. Mm. It's because Paul Schaefer was dropping F bombs back then. That's true. <laughs> Paul Schaefer, 79 and 80s when he was there. Okay. So, my favorite uh, skit from that time with Chris Farley, who was the guy I loved, was the uh, Matt Foley Matt Van Down by the River. <laughs> well, Lottie freaking dog! <laughs> And every role he played, he had to go through a table. <laughs> he was, Mr. He was a member of Bill's Mafia before What's that? they invented We got a little Bill Shakespeare over here. We're going to have a hard time being a screenwriter when you live in a van down by the river. I mean, that, that was great. <laughs> hey, but like, so back, back to the uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. So I personally love Wayne's World, the movies. So what would be your all's favorite movie spinoff from Saturday Night Live. So there's no other answer than Wayne's World. Like, yeah. everything else was yeah. hot garbage. Like, Conehead is, is the only other one that's even halfway watchable. Ooh, I, I hated Conehead. Right. I, it wasn't even good. The Conehead skit, which it, the movie came out much later than the skits were actually on. Yes, much later. Several years. Now, I'm, y'all won't know this. Belushi played a serious role. This was a very good movie. and I, I think it happened about a year before he passed away. I think it was called The Great Divide, maybe. That was actually a very good movie, and he he, he didn't do comedy. Was was Aykroyd in that as well? And did he not play? He was like more of the the they like role reversal or something. Aykroyd, yeah, I, 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 I think he might be in that. I don't know. I have to look that up. Right, anyway, well we'll look at that later. So all right. So other movies. Like, I don't count Tommy Boy and Black Sheep because that wasn't really like a skit, right? Even though it was those guys. Although, Tommy Boy, Callahan, that was Van Down by the River Boy, but it wasn't the... That's not what it was. I mean, Greg said, Farley was the only one. Chris Farley, always Chris Farley. Like, you can only be so heavy and have so many demons and so many drug issues and not do that all the time. Uh, Resty soul. But, all right, you had what? Superstar? Hated it. Superstar, you had uh, Night of the Roxburys. That was god awful. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Um, already mentioned Coneheads. Oh, it's Pat. Yeah. Any Will <laughs> uh, Any Will Ferrell spinoffs? I don't think so. I mean, that's the thing. Most of these Saturday Night Live movies are really bad. Yeah, exactly. We just kind of move away from it. 
I'm sure there's some real bad ones that we're missing, but I, I, I want to give a shout out though to that late nineties, early odds cast as you went from, uh, you know, Farley and the boys, and then you started getting Will Ferrell with Tim Meadows and Anna Gasteyer, Sherry O'Terry. Uh, and then it kind of went to Jimmy Fallon with Tina Fey yep. and Amy Poehler and that whole group. And they were pretty good. They but, were still, they were all solid. But then you've had like just the problem with SNL over time is they've they've forgotten how to be funny and they got so reliant on political humor yes that that's just what they leaned on and sometimes it was good like i'll be honest with you man when tina fey comes out dressed like uh sarah palin and people think it's really her and then she shows up on the show like that's when snl's at its greatest but uh alec baldwin playing trump with the head bob and the hair right but then they started doing it every single cold open it's like all they could do um, but like there, you just had some of the people like the, the current cast and some of them just left. They'd been there for like 15 years. Um, you're, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to what think about Fat Albert. Is he still there? Yeah. Keenan's still there. Yeah. Um, you had, um, Kate McKinnon just left. Did she yeah. yeah. She's gone. Uh, oh, she's finally gone. after like 15 years, which is weird because Will Ferrell was there from 95 to Oh two, but we don't, we were talking earlier and we felt like he was gone before we graduated. Yeah, so Keenan is your record holder. I think he's been there the longest of anybody. And it's not even close. And I think Kate McKinnon was second. So like, those are your two anchors. One of them just left. For uh, me, that kind of died with Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon. I agree. That was kind of the last class I had any interest yeah. in. Yeah. And now it's just kind. Of, well, I did. I did like Bill Hader, and uh, Bill Hader was great. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite skits of all time, is uh, him with the puppet talking about Grenada. It's it's, <laughs> it's so freaking good. Uh, but uh, what's your? Uh, let's just close on this. What's your favorite Saturday Night Live skit of all time? Fan down by the river with Chris Farley. So you're gonna live on Matt Foley. I, I just I love Farley. All right, what about you, Mr. Brown? Unless you're gonna give me Tommy, more you got cowbell. Time to think. More cowbell. Cowbell's a token answer. I get it. I'm thinking, man. I don't. I don't know if I have a favorite. Favorite. Uh, uh. I, I'll give you mine. Mine is Adam Driver was hosting, and he was uh, an oil baron. And Pete Davidson was playing his son, and they were in, like, school. And it was like your dad comes to school day. But he played, like, a there will be blood type. Um, it was just, I don't know, it was so freaking funny. I loved it. Uh, and then as far as hosting goes, like, give me Tom Hanks anytime. Yes. How many times did he host? He's a five-time. They have the five-timers club. You know, he's up. He's okay. probably, like, a ten-time guy. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what about you? Favorite skit ever? Man, you're asking a, a tough question for me. And maybe – Anything with Murphy, I will say uh, Cowbell. Loved Cowbell. Wait, wait, what was the one that Murphy did where it was uh, Mr. Uh, it was like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but they were in the ghetto? Uh, what was it called? That's a good one. I can't remember the name of that. When he hosted like a couple years ago, they redid that whole skit. It was great. No, go ahead. I have my, what I'm going to finish with. Right, you know you what? Got? Here's my favorite skit. Screw Saturday Night Live. Give me... And living collar with Wanda and who's the other one? Fire Marshal Bill. That's right. Hey, as, I thought you were going to go Mad TV for a second. I was just going to end the show right there. That living not, collar and living collar works. I'll take all that. And living collar, it, it emerged because the late '80s version of SNL was so bad 
that in Living Collar, which it was more of a, you know, African-American audience and things like that, but at least they were a little bit more cutting edge and that kind of transitioned in the 90s really well. And that's why they did so popular is because they took the void left that uh, sketch comedy. He was like, let me tell you something. I'm gonna rock- let me show you something here. I'm going to rock your world. I, I was going to rock his world. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, man, I can talk in living collar all day. That stuff's great. But, uh, I, you know, some of their things would be canceled now. If you don't remember handyman, I do. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not showing that in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming. Today. <laughs> Ain't that they made a movie about that, right? No, that, no, that was, was blank, blank man. man but, it, but it felt like the same yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. I'm with you. All right, well, that's a good place to stop. We appreciate everybody tuning in and letting us invade your ears once again. We'll be back next week to talk more nonsense with you guys, but enjoy the sunshine. Summer is unofficially officially here because we're out of Memorial Day, and it is June tomorrow or June today, depending on when you're listening to this. I don't know. But uh, thanks for listening to the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Have a great rest of your week and a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.